Welcome to The Vine, a plant media project podcast with your hosts, Elizabeth Sheldon and Gina Vensel. The Vine is an insightful look into the world of plant medicine, exploring the changing landscape around cannabis and psychedelics, and ending the stigma through educational discussions. The Vine podcast does not offer medical advice nor condone any use of illegal substances. Consult your physician or therapist before making changes to your wellness plan and before trying alternative healing medicines. Today, we welcome Daniel Simmons, founder and co-owner of Georgetown Hemp, a wholesaler and retailer of certified hemp raw materials and retail products. After a protracted battle with a treatment-resisted illness spanning over a decade, cannabis brought meaningful relief to Daniel. He set out to better educate himself about CBD's properties in order to help others facing similar struggles. The Georgetown Hemp team has earned multiple industry certifications with focuses on terpenes, horticulture, physiology, and best practices and medicine, and completed the Cannabis Business Certification Program from THC University. Welcome, Daniel. Hey, thank you. Happy to be here. Yes, welcome, Daniel. We're so happy to have you. We always like to start off hearing how our guests became involved in the cannabis industry. So just wanted to hear a little bit more about your healing journey. Sure. And um, I love the platform. Thanks for having me here this morning. I'm thrilled to be here. Um, As uh, cliche as it may sound, I'm just a guy whose life was completely changed by cannabis and um, for the better. And only within um, maybe the last four to five years um, has that change occurred. And it's been remarkable and um, happened uh, when uh, Maryland launched their medical cannabis program. Prior to that, I was on Social Security disability. I was labeled as treatment resistant. I had been on every classification of prescription that exists. I've traveled around the country and around the world looking for solutions, as desperate people often do, and um, tried Eastern medicine, Western medicine, you know, meditating on cliffs with yogis and to, you know, visiting Johns Hopkins clinics. And the best and brightest um, over the years despite their best efforts, were able were unable to help change how I felt. And I remembered um, that one of my earliest memories was with cannabis, that uh, good or bad, it was so effective at flipping that switch, at changing how I felt with just one puff, that um, I became obsessed with understanding the mechanisms by which it affects those changes and just went down the rabbit hole. And when uh, the medical program launched in Maryland, I was able to see what was in my medicine, finally, but also what was not in my medicine, which was equally as important. Uh, you know, I'm highly allergic to mycotoxins, as I think probably a lot of, a lot of people are, but it, it drastically affected or guided the outcome of my medicating experience with cannabis. So being able to have access to safe, verified, tested medicine is really where my change occurred. And I started designing, you know, targeted treatments with plant medicine to treat myself. And within uh, remarkably a matter of weeks, I was off disability and traveling to start this business and the rest is history. Wow. What an amazing story. 
And okay, so you became, you're a medical patient then in the Maryland program. And then you decided though, with your Georgetown hemp company to take a hemp route. I mean, so you do not need to have a medical card in order to purchase your products, correct? Because of the the farm bill. So I wanted to just kind of talk a little bit about, there's still some confusion. I know Elizabeth and I get a lot of people that ask us, you know, when we talk cannabis, are we talking quote unquote marijuana? What makes that different than hemp or CBD? And we've heard various different ways to explain it. I'd love for you to give our listeners a little insight into to you know how you got into the hemp and why you really decided to f- stay focused in that and what that really means in terms of uh, the plant itself. Sure. So uh, the main differentiating factor between uh, you know quote unquote marijuana and hemp um, would be the percentage of one cannabinoid specifically, Delta-9 THC, right? That's the psychoactive component that we're all familiar with, associated with the high from marijuana. When that exists in percentages below 0.3%, it's classified as hemp, very simply. Both are the cannabis plant. Um, And uh, at the time, CBD was gaining a lot of recognition, I call, I, I describe it as that Dr. Oz acai berry effect where everybody's running to their local My Organic Market and Whole Foods to see what products are available and had family who was uh, early into the industry, friends who were early into the industry. This was around 2014 when Obama's first farm bill paid more narrow path to legality for industrial hemp. And uh, I saw a future where we had a underregulated industry and everyone and their mother was making a product. And, you know, we've got grandmas brewing CBD oils in their bathtubs at home. And the segment of the market that was most interested, but also spending the most on hemp products at the time were females, middle to upper income, baby boomers, and uh, who also happen to be one of the um, less educated or more uninitiated into cannabis because how much uh, they're affected by the reefer madness and and the stigma. So they could benefit uh, uh, enormously from these products, but they're staying away from them because of that stigma. So we decided that Rather than being a product manufacturer, we wanted to be that trusted advisor to the uninitiated and help them to understand how and why these products exist and where to get the best ones and how to use them. So what is CBD exactly and what do people use it for medicinally? Sure. So technically, um, medicinally, um, Retractable child epilepsy. GW Pharmaceuticals has a, a patented drug, Epidiolex. It's the one official um, condition that it could be prescribed for. CBD is just one molecule in the cannabis plant, right? It's a cannabinoid. THC is a cannabinoid. Um, CBN uh, or CBG, some of these other that we that you hear about, they're cannabinoids, which means that they signal to our cannabinoid receptors in our endocannabinoid system, all right? We have endogenous cannabinoids, meaning endo from within, ones that our brains and the bodies create. And then you have phytocannabinoids, plant-based cannabinoids, like from marijuana or cannabis. 
So CBD, most commonly used for pain, inflammation, um, sleep, uh, anxiety, and mood-related issues. It's fantastic as an anti-inflammatory. It works great for pain as well. And so when the farm rules passed and it's saying that industrial hemp is legal and then now under that, it's like, okay, we can isolate this cannabinoid with CBD and say we're going to have it be legal because it's under that threshold of the 0.3% Delta 9 THC that we talked about. Okay. So we know that this is, you know, supposed to be at a certain level, but you know, when we talk about our medical cannabis programs, we know that the States are doing a lot of tests before any of the patients are going to actually get these products. So how is it working in the hemp space? And how, you know, when we hear about the third party lab testing, how do we know to trust these labs and how does one know how best to purchase CBD knowing that they're getting a good product? All very good questions and not necessarily uh, very easily answered. But I will say that now having insight into this side of the industry, the um, our, our trust but uh, verify uh, way of doing business, we do more uh, rigorous testing than a lot of the dispensaries do. In fact, we hold ourselves to requirements that are not um, mandatory on the medical side as well. And, um, you know, third-party testing is a term that you that more and more people are starting to hear and um, a, a lab report attached to that is something that people are starting to look for when they go to buy their CBD product. But beyond that, how to read that lab report, what to look for on it, which labs are credible, like you were mentioning. Um, it's an emerging market. And the best way to um, obtain access to these products and safe ones is to find that trusted advisor, whether it's a local shop, someone that you feel has that knowledge base and understands what to look for. So we, you know, my business started out as a distributor really to doctors and pharmacies because we were able to talk to them on a bit of a higher level. But if we resell it, I've visited the lab, the farm, the processing center, even beyond having a third party lab report, there's so much more that you want to understand and verify um, to know that you're using a safe product. So to answer your question, find a store or a salesperson who you're comfortable with and um, and do a lot of your own research online. You know, go down that rabbit hole like I did. There's a ton of information out there and it's only going to benefit you because it, it could be the difference between getting results from a product and none at all. And, right. or having an adverse effect reaction to a product or none at all. Yeah, buying something from a, a gas station that doesn't really have a label on it and then saying that, oh, cannabis doesn't work for me or CBD doesn't work. I mean, we do as you know, patients and, and using this, we have to do the research ourselves and finding those trusted advisors in our local communities or online, I think is so important. So I really appreciate that your company is doing that for others. Can you imagine a better you? Empathic Health is a global community providing support so you can find more fun, freedom, and connection in your life. Empathic Health is my integration solution for incorporating my healing work into my daily routine. Empathic Health has given me a space to use my voice to express my thoughts and be myself in a safe place. I'm excited to get to the type of work that gives my life more clarity and joy. Helping others has done nothing but help me in return. Know your medicine, 
know yourself. Join Elizabeth, myself, and the rest of the community today at empathic.health. And you're doing so much for in this area in, in Maryland. Um, and, and later we'll get to, you know, how people can reach you from outside of, of the area. But so we're seeing so much about this Delta eight. Um, what is Delta eight? What's it used for? And then I think you told me that Delta eight is an isomer. Is that correct? Yes. So, okay. um, so what's an isomer and what is Delta-8? <laughs> sure. So um, an isomer is a molecule that is created as a result of isomerization. So what is isomerization? It's when you take a molecule and using chemicals or heat, you rearrange the atoms in the molecule to create a new molecule altogether. So Delta-8 is a cannabinoid that exists naturally in the cannabis plant, but the, the Delta-8 that we're all seeing is not extracted from the plant because it doesn't today exist in high enough concentrations, right? Marijuana is bred for Delta-9 THC, right, to this day. So we create it using isomerization. They start out, for the most part, with CBD isolate. So they extract from the hemp plant. They reduce a crude to a distillate to an isolate and then create these reactions using chemicals and different timed uh, heating process to convert the CBD into Delta-8 THC. And it follows a, a, a road of um, what it becomes before Delta-8, what it becomes after Delta-8. We can isomerize to a number of different cannabinoids in the plant. Uh, Delta-8 THC first kind of got recognition or was used in Israel uh, to treat pediatric chemotherapy patients um, who were experiencing nausea and lack of appetite. So uh, much to a lot of our customers' chagrin, it does stimulate appetite. Um, but it's also Good fantastic. Is a, <laughs> yeah, it's also a fantastic uh, anti-emetic. It's great for nausea to the point where doctors in Israel will advise their patients not to drink alcohol when using Delta Eight because it may prevent them from, you know, throwing up when they need to if they've taken in too much alcohol. So it's great for that, and um, we use it a lot also for pain and for sleep. It's dose specific. So depending on how much you take will vary the, the outcome of, of it. So here in PA, I, I purchased some of the Delta 8. Uh, it said Delta 8 on the label. But when I looked a little closer, what I actually had bought, I guess, was CBG flower. And it said it was infused with Delta 8. So is that mm -hmm. then so like after the plant was grown, you're saying that this Delta-8 process, was it somehow then, it was somehow infused into the plant, like in a, like post the the growing of it. I just, I feel like it's, there's a lot of thoughts that like you can just pull and isolate these cannabinoids, but there is some science going on here, right? So I purchased CBG flower and then in the lab it was infused. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, I guess you can call it infused. Um, for the most part, it's a bit more of a a crude um, product, how it's assembled. It's flour that is essentially sprayed with uh, a distillate um, of the Delta-8 THC. 
we actually helped to develop the SOP for getting it onto flour with, without using solvents. So it's a Delta eight isolated is like a very viscous, sticky, taffy, like distillate, even more than Delta nine THC distillate. So to get it onto that CBG flour is very difficult. And uh, most people were thinning it out in alcohol, spraying it on the flour, and then trying to purge or evaporate out the alcohol. But you're at that point putting a solvent onto your plant. And most people were also not testing if there was any residual solvent in their product afterwards. So we figured out how to do it with just uh, heat alone. And so today most people are using that method. They're heating it till it thins. They're spraying it onto the flour to give, um, in some cases, more of that entourage effect, right? You're adding another component from the plant that'll help boost the effects of the others, of the CBG. And in other cases, they're just making something that looks like marijuana psychoactive, which wouldn't have been without it. And they're using CBG flour because CBD technically would cancel out some of the psychoactive um, uh, properties from the THC, and the CBG does not do that. I, I had no idea, Gina, it was being sprayed. <laughs> like, I, I was like, I'm, was like the- I'm like, the infused is a strange word to use here. And I'm like, reading this on the bottle being like, there is definitely something else going on here. But that makes a lot of sense. But why that that extraction process of not using any alcohol is so important as well. And again, why like we need to understand the science behind this stuff before we just see a new fad of some product and think that we can buy it just anywhere when we're ingesting these things, especially if we're on other medications. I mean, we have to be, you know, aware of how these things can can interact with one another. Because I certainly just thought it was a plant. I had no idea it had been sprayed. So um, I just want to throw in here, you mentioned something about, um, is it Delta 10? That's sort of the next thing coming. Um, so Delta 10 is already here and we've got um, this race. It's like the space race, right? But to who's going to put out a product with the newest um, cannabis extract. So Delta 10 is another isomer. Delta 10 is another cannabinoid that exists naturally in the plant, but is being isomerized. It's being essentially produced in a lab. And um, there's a whole list of other isomers that have unique psychedelic and non-psychedelic outcomes, as well as um, acetates and these pro-drugs that are being created, such as um, THCO acetate, which is something that's new. The pathway to do this is open and available at this point because legalization of industrial hemp through the farm bill, through both farm bills, that made the differentiating factor just the Delta 9 THC. If it's not below point, above 0.3% Delta 9 THC, it's legal. But they did specifically mention that all isomers and derivatives um, would also be legal. So that's how we're selling these and and manufacturing these products today, which have very um, 
there are additional tools in our toolbox when it comes to um, helping people to feel better or find relief, but they can also um, be abused and um, uh, can uh, be a method of putting not necessarily safe verified products out in, into the market because like we mentioned before, they're under-regulated. So essentially a Delta 10 uh, product could come on the market that has like a pretty high concentrate of that, but because it doesn't have, it has less than the 0.3% THC, it's going to be considered something you don't need a medical card for. So I feel like this is a way that the the entire CBD industry and the hemp industry is going to be able to say, what, what if you live in a state that doesn't have a medical program yet and you're looking for relief? I mean, this might right. be the only way to really find a cannabis product in your state or be able to purchase it, right? Because I mean, essentially, you don't have to live in Maryland to get your products, right? I mean, people, you can go onto your website and because of this being legal, it's not like when we talk about cannabis and you certainly can't use your medical marijuana card in Pennsylvania and also in Maryland, you know, we don't have reciprocity here in PA and that's very much a lot of the same ways across the, the country. So if someone's looking to have their medicine in a state that they can't bring it or get access to it, it sounds like this might be the method and the way to ensure that patients have at least some access to these cannabinoids. What does the Delta 10 do? What is that used for? If Delta 8 is for appetite and nausea, what is Delta 10 for? Sure. So in addition to what it's used for, we look at um, what uh, experience it doesn't create that some of the other THCs might create. So um, back to Delta 8 real quickly as an example, it's slightly less psychoactive than Delta 9. So while, um, uh, like you were mentioning, you can purchase it without a medical card, we can ship it to most states with the exception of a handful of them. We have uh, dispensary staff and patients and management who shop at, at our, uh, with, for our products. And uh, it's because uh, of the options that it makes available. Delta is slightly less psychoactive. So that translates in experience to less cognitive impairment you know, that brain fog where you can't think and less anxiety. So we call it like the THC you could do math on. I can't necessarily take a strong metabol for pain or nausea and then expect to be fully productive at work. Delta 8 allows me to do that. So Delta 10, slightly more psychoactive than Delta 8 and Delta 9. And um, whereas Delta 8 is kind of more, I would call it the indica of THCs. It kind of feels like Delta 9, but from neck down, you don't get a lot of the um, uh, brain activation. Delta 10 is more of the sativa to to the equation. So it's a bit more uh, mentally stimulating and um, a bit stronger uh, for pain and, and things like that. Good to know. So I was going to ask about processing CBD and how consumers can tell whether it's safe. But um, I, I think, you know, if there's something you want to add to that, and you also mentioned to me that we should talk about acetates. So I was under the impression that acetates were the chemicals that took the, you know, distilled the products, but that's not the case, right? 
Well, there are, there are chemicals that are acetates that are used in the reaction to turn a, a cannabinoid into a, an, its acetate form. So THCO acetate, which um, in this country was used, I think, closer to like World War II. They were looking into it for military applications um, because it um, disables more muscle function than regular THC. So they were testing it actually in in Maryland. And um, the way that they create these products uh, requires very caustic and hazardous acids and bleaches, um, but no different than Tylenol or, um, you know, some of these uh, prescription opioids. You don't question your Tylenol, though, because you um, know that the person making it was qualified to do so. So the same should go for these products, right? Um, Definitely should be made by a PhD and should be tested thoroughly because, unfortunately, in this industry, every Bitcoin bro who made some money wanted to parlay it over into cannabis and thought they'd open up a lab and have some cousin from Colorado who knows how to use the machines and can make them Delta eight. But the, the reagents that are used in manufacturing Delta eight, surprisingly, even with the most extensive full panel, third party lab result from a cannabis testing lab, they don't test for those reagents, right? So the most potentially hazardous uh, part of manufacturing um, isn't tested for by 99% of the product manufacturers who are selling Delta 8. So uh, we found a food toxicity lab that um, can look for those reagents. So in addition to a cannabis testing lab, which will run microbials, mycotoxins, heavy metals, pesticides, um, as well as you know potency, then we send it to a food toxicity lab to look for residuals of those reagents so that we can be sure that we're selling a a safe product. But um, definitely trust but verify, you know, ask the right questions when you're buying these products. If the person selling to you has zero understanding of how that product is made, probably not the best place to buy it from. It's, It's shocking how a lot of the people selling these products think that they're just squeezing it out of the plant. That's what I thought. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just fascinated with learning so much more about this Um, because it's really, I mean, it's all falling under the fact that, you know, industrial hemp also has medicinal qualities is this is what it's coming down to because we can isolate out these cannabinoids and, and, and use them as medicine. And it just, it makes me, it makes my heart happy to know that this could be an alternative to so many people that can't get access to their medical cannabis card at this time. Like this is this is the this is the way that people can can really you know utilize cannabis in a way to better their life right now. Yeah, you just have to be. I think was it, and I think in my state it's eighteen years old, maybe twenty one to buy Delta Eight products. Hey, eighteen for CBD. Gotcha. I mean, we you know for anything that's smokable or vapeable, we we require twenty one um, through mm-hmm. our shop. But I'm not sure if there's actually a regulation for it in in maryland surprisingly but um yeah it it it, um when congress passed these farm bills i doubt that their intention was for uh people to be able to make and sell psychoactive 
cannabinoids from the plant. They wanted us to build an industry around seed and fiber and building materials and biofuels and all the things we used to use the hemp plant for, you know, in this country and around the world. But that infrastructure doesn't exist. And it's uh, yet, you know, we're building it, but it's going to take a number of years. And to get there, we have to start, you know, with, uh, you know, these marijuana style hemp products. Um, you know, that's what's fueling the growth in the industry at this point. And we're getting, we're going to get to, you know, uh, where they wanted us to, but in along the process, we're discovering incredible therapies and the science is starting to catch up and mm -hmm. lives are changing, you know? So I agree. I share your excitement. <laughs> well, it's great. We want to make sure that everyone knows how they can, can find you and reach out to you and purchase your products. So how can we do that? So all the socials are just Georgetown Hemp. Um, you can find us pretty much on, on all of those. You um, can call our uh, annoying um, uh, jingle phone number, 833-4, the number 4-HEMP-DC, 833-4-HEMP-DC. You could stop by our store in Rockville or find us online at uh, georgetownhemp.com. And um, we answer the phone. We reply to our social messages. We're, we're really here to help and, and walk you through the process. And I definitely send people that need information to Daniel. I'm like, this is the guy you got to call, ask him your question. He can answer it. Well, it is important because it can be very overwhelming to people. You know, the, you, you did, you know, the work you, you know, you, like you said, you called it going down the rabbit hole of all this information and you've already done that. And so I think that for a lot of folks that get nervous about like, oh my gosh, I don't have the time to research all this. You really said it like finding people that you can trust in your community that have done that work. They're going to find the products and put them in their store only if you know, their mission is to provide only the best products. So make sure that you're asking questions, that you're looking at labels before you purchase, that you're reaching out to companies like Georgetown Hemp that are really passionate about ensuring that the, the products that they're putting out are safe and, and valuable. So thank you so much, Daniel, for joining us. It's a pleasure and we appreciate all the insight and education you were able to provide us today. Really appreciate it so much. Thank you guys. It was a blast. So happy to do it. Thank you. And thanks to each and every one of you for joining us. Yeah, we love we love being able to have these conversations. They're going to continue to evolve. So I think we might be having you back here soon, Daniel, once we kind of more of these cannabinoids come out. We're in any, we need you to come back and fill us in on them. So <laughs> anytime, anytime. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to another episode of The Vine, a Plant Media Project podcast. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to never miss an episode. For cannabis and psychedelic news, visit us online at plantmediaproject.com. Mm -hmm.